America breathes a collective sigh of relief on this consumer goods edition of Industry Focus. Greetings, fools. I am Sean O'Reilly here at Fool Headquarters in Alexandria, Virginia, and I'm joined today with the one and only Vincent Shen. How are you today? I'm doing great, Sean. How are you? I was trying to think of a cool adjective for you, but then I was like, oh, I'll just go with the, the tried and true method. I like it. Thank you. Uh, so, uh, big news last week. The Comcast Time Warner cable merger is dead. Yes, it is. I, uh, my After I picked up my jaw off the floor, I dove into <laughs> the deal, and... Uh, I mean, I wish I could say I saw this coming, but they pulled off the NBC merger. We'll talk about this a little bit later, a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and there are a bunch of conditions of that, but they pulled it off, and I just assumed that would happen again, and a lot of people assumed it would happen again. And uh, that wasn't the case. So uh, what's going on? Well, I think that in the past few weeks, there's definitely been uh, a bit of sentiment, rumors, and the grapevine that things were starting to go awry for Comcast and Time Warner for their deal. Because they've been meeting with the FCC for like, and the Department of Justice as well. So when, you know when it was first when the deal was first announced uh, in February of last year, I would say that the majority of people on Wall Street in the industry in general thought that it was a slam dunk. Deal was going to go through. Was going to create this giant company that. And part of the argument there, just so everybody knows, it, this thing would have been huge, like sixty percent of broadband customers in the United States, thirty percent of pay TV. However. Because there was no huge overlap in the markets that these companies served, it was assumed to be okay because they weren't in the same markets. So it's like, oh, well, that okay, was well, pretty much their, you know, one of the major foundations of their argument for why this deal should go through. Right. They basically said to each other, hey, you know, we don't compete in the same markets. So this isn't really anti competitive, but. That kind of speaks to the industry at large, doesn't it? Yes, it does. <laughs> because there's companies <laughs> yeah exactly so um, I'd say in the past few weeks there's had already been rumors that uh, the regulators were gonna start coming out against the deal and uh, I think on Wednesday they felt it was best to resign than get fired <laughs> on Wednesday Comcast and Time Warner representatives probably had some of their final meetings with regulators trying to make that final push but they came to the point where I think no concessions could, uh, would have satisfied them, so they realized, okay, we can just walk away from this. Uh, from what I recall, there's no, there was no penalty fee either from walking walking away from the deal. So it does seem like Comcast recognized, like, hey, it's possible this does not go through. So they're able to work then to the negotiations with Time Warner. Do you think they really? How do I frame this? Do you think Comcast really wanted it because they kind of threw in the towel? I mean, I'm not going to say they threw in the towel easily because they spent 14 months on this thing, but they didn't fight them. They didn't take it to the last breath and force the government to say no. I I think that ultimately, again, comes down to the to the, the overwhelming negative sentiment from gener from consumers in this country towards this deal. I th um, there were reports that the uh, FCC. Uh, or the regulators in general received something like over a million comments coming out from the public against the deal. Well, yeah, and I actually read this very interesting piece before we headed in here. Um, it was by the f uh, former commissioner of the FCC. His name is Michael Copps. He had an op-ed piece in the Washington Post just I don't know, the last couple of days here. And um, he noted that um, 
he thought it was because the FCC doesn't trust Comcast because they kind of didn't follow through on a lot of the conditions of their purchase of NBC a few years ago. Um, they were supposed to uh, offer $10 a month uh, cable service to about 2.5 million uh, low-income housing. They made it very, very difficult for these people. Um, they had to allow access for pro, uh, for content from you know competitors because they own NBC, which is the content side, and they're the distribution side originally, and they they didn't really do that. So they kind of don't trust them anymore. <laughs> I think that's actually another big piece uh, of the story is that you know fool me once right right fool me and once, the regulators yeah. kind of learned their lesson they've seen that you know comcast at the time was really unwilling to follow through on all of their concessions and and uh, all the terms of the previous deal now that they're even bigger with this deal what incentive do they have to follow through on any other concessions right so there's real no upside here for consumers like at all and there is only downside you know, it depends on who, who you, you ask. ask. But ultimately, I, without you know coming out uh, too much one way or the other, I, I generally agree with you. Yeah. So uh, since this is a Motley Fool, we like to deal with investing. Um, interestingly enough, the stock price did not fall on this news. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, Comcast is very steady. Uh, the pr- I think it's still trading within one percent from when Which, the new, yeah. when the news really broke on Thursday afternoon and Time Warner on their hand is actually up 5% uh since the news is out that does that does not happen often <laughs> i think the i think a big part of that is because of the new rumors uh Time Warner is very bu- has been kind of busy with the all this courtship lately it's always nice to have a backup has, <laughs> yeah basically the company potentially has a new suitor in the form of charter communications and uh, this is kind of a redux because uh you know a year ago comcast and charter were bidding on time warner cable yep that's right so charter made an offer in january so the month before the deal was announced between comcast and time warner for about 37 million dollars comcast ended up besting it with their 45 billion dollar offer but uh charter was definitely trying to get in on the action so i think this time uh they're going to come around and see if they can make this deal happen. Because they even said right from the get-go, hey, if the Comcast deal falls through, we're going to be right there again trying to go for this. That's uh, oh, that's so weird. It's like, oh, yeah, well, if it doesn't work out with that person, just come back home. It's fine. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, this is kind of what happens in mature industries. Um, we've seen it. You know, We've had our little Sin Stock series, and we've talked about tobacco. And when you've got a mature industry and you don't have anywhere else to grow, you start merging. And that's kind of what's going on here. Yeah. Do you think, how bad do we think the FCC is going, uh, how bad a time do you think the FCC is going to give uh, Charter and Time Warner, or, uh, and Time Warner Cable? Because I mean, you're still talking about number two and number three. And they'll still be a number two to Comcast, but they'll be a, I mean, you're talking about a duopoly at this point. Yeah, that's a, an interesting one. I th- I don't want to say that what we saw here from the regulators is going to apply directly to the same uh, approval process. They probably aren't as jaded because of the whole Comcast NBC. It's, it's, <laughs> a, it's a, obviously a different deal. Like you said, Comcast is going to be the number one player, but the combined entity, if Charter and Time Warner were to go that route and trying to join together, like it still f- creates some, a form of a duopoly, but Charter's been very busy. Uh, in March, they made an acquisition for a, a smaller uh, company, the sixth largest cable operator, Brighthouse Networks, for about ten billion dollars. So they're busy 
on the consolidation front. Just ten billion. Just ten billion, exactly. <laughs> so what do we think as you know, obviously, industry observers, potentially investors in what's going on in the broader cable industry, because this has become, even in the last five years, this industry has become ridiculously profitable. Like, I don't think people realize just like the returns that these companies are generating internally. Yeah. So, this was something that uh, I'm glad that you had brought up to me and I was able to look into it before the show because Comcast joined with NBC Universal in 2011. And since then, you know their revenue has grown 23 23% in you know in the year since then and so annually like 5 or something so still yeah, yeah a decent rate considering like you said the the, the maturity of the industry exactly yeah. and their earnings on the other hand much more impressively have doubled since 2011 so this is like cost savings and just increased ad revenue like mm-hmm. all kinds of good stuff yeah it's just, i think comcast did it well, you know did a great job getting that deal through because now you not only control the content but the distribution of that content. It's a very, very profitable combination for them. But you know, Time Warner hasn't exactly been slacking either. Uh, their return on equity was about 15% in 2010. It's now at 27%. That and is astronomical. Like Coca-Cola, like Buffett owns that because it's a great business, great returns on invested capital. That's in the 30s. So for a cable company that's not growing to show returns on equity of 27% compared to, I mean, the average S&P company's got, like, what, 12? Like, this is crazy. Big high. numbers. Yeah. Big numbers. And, the re- you know, their revenue up over that same time since 2010 is up 20%. Their earnings are similar, have almost doubled. And uh, Time Warner in particular is an interesting position because they, I think, cleaned things up quite a bit, got operations streamlined. They're cleaning up their debt balance a little bit in preparation for their what they thought would be their... Uh, trying to make themselves the bell of the ball. <laughs> exactly, they're they're joining with Comcast, so now their you know balance sheet's a little stronger. Customer service, they say, is stronger. Uh, their offerings are better, so maybe they're in a position where they don't need to necessarily join with anybody, and they can actually start looking for targets themselves. We'll see. Yeah. So, you know, we're both millennials. We 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 like our streaming. You know, I. I you have a very basic cable package. I'm, I mean, do you even have cable? <laughs> no, I do not. Yeah. So, what do you think long term how, how this plays out? Because we've had a lot, the industry has shifted in the last 12, 14 months since this, uh, the original Comcast deal got you know announced. Yeah, that's something else I wanted to talk about because we got HBO Go, we can watch Game exa- of Thrones. Yep. No. <laughs> and um, the deal was announced February last year originally for Time Warner and Comcast. And some of the things that have popped up since then, and I think also uh, turned out influencing you know, that regulator's decision is things like Sling TV came out, Sony released their TV service, HBO split off their uh, service. Uh, Apple has rumors of bringing out a new set-top box, and Netflix is at something like over 40 million subscribers. Their growth has continued very, very at a very rapid rate and all these things I think came together to make regulars realize like hey you know what the internet's going to be the next or already is coming about to be the next big frontier for providing for media content yeah. for media so to have one company controlling 60% of that and that has its own interests with content seems like a very dangerous combination yeah iffy um and so we're probably going in the direction of more choices with content and everything. 
Um, cable seems to be fine. I notice, how do I say this? In the last five years, I've noticed that the price of just cable has gone up to where, like, I, I was making a decision, uh, my wife and I recently moved, and it was like, I think, you know, don't quote me or anything, it was like 40 or $50 for just internet, or I could get a basic cable package with my internet for 60 60 It's like, okay, fine, just take my extra $15, I'll take the basic cable. And it's like, they kind of see the writing on the wall, and they're starting to try to fight this trend, and we actually saw that with this uh, ESPN uh, Disney lawsuit against Verizon the other day, because they just announced something very, very interesting. So two points from what from from uh, what you just mentioned. Um, first of all, you know the cable prices are going up. Um, in 2013, I think cable packages on average across the country went up. I think on the, along the lines of six percent, basically like four times the rate of inflation, and they've gone up around that approximate annual rate for like the past 15 years. So that seems a little excessive, given that the cables are already in the ground. Yeah, well, um, some something's bringing up those uh, ROE numbers for these companies, right? Yes, indeed. So this lawsuit, though, is I think again a little sign of the writing on the wall. You know, Verizon released this service. Um, it's called FiOS Custom TV. So it includes a base package of about uh, let's call it forty channels. Uh, has some major networks like CNN, AMC, your Food Network. Oh, I can watch the last episodes of Mad Men. Good. So the cost of that is $55. Okay, and, yeah. And then you, they give you a choice uh, to choose two more additional packages out of seven. And these are categories like lifestyle, entertainment, sports, kids. Each of these packages is about $10. Each of these packages is $10. You can choose ten, two of them. And ESPN is unhappy because they're not part of the basic level package that's $55. They're part of the sports edition that's ten dollars and i know the answer but why is that vince <laughs> well espn is probably one of the most, the most expensive it networks is, yeah. for it's, the cable companies if you calculate it I, we've had a lot of great analysis put forth by uh, uh some of our writers on fool.com and like your your average camera like an amc i think they calculate is like somewhere between 50 cents and a dollar and cnn's you know in the same range or whatever uh, ESPN comes at over six dollars as yeah. part of your cable. You're paying six dollars out of your sixty, seventy, eighty, you know, hundred dollar cable package for just ESPN. Uh, and I like I like SportsCenter as much as the next guy, but that's six times what we're talking about here. Yep. So you know, ESPN is not and uh, is not happy. They're suing. They're basically saying, hey, you know, this isn't the part of the contract that we originally signed with Verizon. Whereas Verizon is playing to the consumer and saying. We pick, pick your pick your a la carte. Yeah, yeah. Like. <laughs> we want to give consumers what they want, uh, what they've been asking for. We we see the trends with uh, these different services and the the cord cutting. They're trying to head that off and provide consumers with this offering that that I think a lot of people will be happy with. Though I think it's still on the pricey side. Yeah, considering you know you choose your two packages, and you're still paying seventy five dollars for right. television. It's it. it goes to the branding aspect of the a la carte thing but it's not like you know cheaper or anything like that mm-hmm. um and i do want to point out the the a la carte service if you broke out um technically bundling if you still want 50 to 100 channels the bundling angle in paying you know 80 bucks to your cable company is actually still a good deal the a la carte thing is really only good if you you know like you vincent shen you want i don't know espn amc NBC, ABC, and something else. 
Mm-hmm. Like if you want five things. Um, and all of a sudden it's like, okay, why did we put these cables in the ground? But uh, I was not surprised when I saw this lawsuit at all come out. Not surprised at all. I was like, oh, first shot's fired. <laughs> yeah. And so we'll, I, we'll see what happens uh, as things play out if either side decides to back down. But uh, it, just call it another uh, indicator of you know changing tides. The, the friction there, yeah. Uh, so before we go, I really wanted to just quickly relate this around. What do we think this uh, kind of relates to Title II and the recent FCC regulations that came out? So, you know, that when the ruling came out in February where where it was basically decided by the FCC that they were going to start regulating broadband providers under Title II, the Communications Act, um, there are, I think, pretty much every company in the industry came out and said, FCC can't do this, um, we're going to appeal and sue them. And now we are in the initial stages of that legal battle. Uh, U.S. Telecom, which is an industry trade representative that inclu- uh, for companies like AT&T, Verizon, have kind of fired the first shots over the the bow. Is that the expression? Yeah. And uh, if it isn't, it works. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you know the rules were officially published in the Federal Register, and so they would take effect in mid June. Yeah. The companies are putting in their lawsuits, and we're gonna see how long it takes for this legal battle to unfold. If they drag it out, I was just, you know, I was surprised that the stock prices of the Time Warriors and the Comcast of the world didn't really move when title the Title II, you know, regulations came out, that they were going to regulate them under Title II. So it's interesting to me because Wall Street doesn't apparently think this is going to affect them or they think they'll be able to fight it. For, I, I don't know what the game plan is there, but we shall see. Yep. Very good. Well, thank you for your thoughts, Vince. Thank you, we'll Sean. See you next Appreciate week. it. And before we go, I wanted to make our listeners aware of a special offer that we've been running for all our foolish stock ideas. Uh, if you're looking for more stock ideas, Stock Advisor might be the thing for you. It is our flagship newsletter started more than 10 years ago by Motley Fool co-founders Tom and Dave Gardner. We are offering the lowest price out there for our industry-focused listeners. It is $98 for a two-year subscription to Stock Advisor. You will get two stock recommendations every single month with insights from our team of foolish analysts. Just go to focus.fool.com to take advantage of the deal. Once again, that is focus.fool.com. And as always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks that they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against those stocks. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear on this program. For Vincent Shen, I'm Sean O'Reilly. Thanks for listening, and Fool on!